0: Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, as you do. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So welcome back to church. I didn't know what was about to happen up here. I was like, it's about to get rock and roll. I don't know what was going on, but he's going to kick it over. So uh, I was ready. We still have one more song, though. We can, we can get that in. But yeah, welcome back. Um, I, I must say that I did, I did laugh a little bit on January the 1st, which was a Sunday, and we did not have church on that day. Um, we don't like to be embarrassed, as a rule. Um, but we didn't have church on that Sunday, nor did we have it on Christmas Day. I know. And, um, but I did remember... At like 10 o'clock on New Year's Day morning, uh, I opened up my phone app. We have security cameras here, and I can, like, watch the property. It's a lot of fun. And I did want to see, like, if anybody, like, didn't read their emails, you know, but to your credit, nobody showed up. I didn't see, I didn't see anybody pull on the door. It was great. I also love. I also smiled because it's a very Atlanta Christian Church thing to do. I know that some people enter the new year like I'm going to go to church. I'm going to start the year off in church, and we just eliminated that and created failure for you from the very, <laughs> from the very start. Uh, nobody was showing up on that day. So, but it is good to have you back. It's really good to be in the room with you uh, today. Um, today is the first Sunday after the Epiphany, which is January 6th. And uh, the Epiphany is a season that is about awakenings. It's about, it's the Word itself. It's like, oh, I see that now. And so it has to do with uh, seeing Jesus for the first time or again for the first time, as we might say. Uh, it's also the beginning of following Jesus around as we work our way towards Easter. Uh, this candle that is in flames over here was the Christmas Eve last candle of the Advent season, representing the birth and the person of Jesus. And each Sunday until now, until Good Friday, we light this as a tradition that Jesus was born. And as the candle burns itself out, that Jesus gives his life over time. And so we begin this journey today of following him around and noticing him and Seeing what it might be that we can learn from him, and today, uh, traditionally, the story is always the story of Jesus being baptized. Jesus gets baptized. Uh, I don't know if you've been baptized before. Um, I have. It's part of the job. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but we're going to talk about Jesus' baptism today. Now, if there's a the the passage is simple, the baptism appears in all four Gospels uh, at some level um, and the top line reading of the text is against it's it's, it's kind of simple this is Jesus's anointing and his coronation if you will of his ministry uh, also as a king um, this is why in the text the very last line of the text is a quotation from Psalm chapter 2 which is this is my son, my beloved with whom I'm well pleased which was at the time a kingly coronation text. And so this is Jesus entering his calling, his task. He's submitting as well to his task, because baptism is a rather submissive act. Someone does it to you in the modern era, and uh, it's embarrassing and all of that. I put in the bulletin, I don't know if you were reading ahead, but like in the ancient church, they used to baptize people in the nude. So yikes. Yeah, so... uh, (laughs) We do have baptisms coming up on Easter Sunday, and that will not be an option. So, no option for that. No matter how confident you are, we're going to say no. Um, So Jesus, at this moment, is submitting uh, to his calling. And so we get some early meanings of baptism here, uh, that there's this ending of my way and the beginning of God's way in my life. And the origins of baptism are... Interesting, and the meetings are interesting. It's a very complicated history, but in general, it had to do with ritual purification, uh, this cleansing ritual. Uh, after the days of Jesus, if you converted to Judea- Judaism, you were baptized as well. So this is not just a Christian practice, but it exists in both Jewish culture and in our culture. But the weird thing is, Jesus wants to be baptized by John. And John, as we spent some time with in Advent, is sort of a fiery, I mean, he's annoying, you know? Uh, he's angry. He's, uh, he's calling people to repent, be better, be more, that kind of guy. I mean, he's not wrong in some sense. Israel had lost its way. Sometimes you need a, a voice that bothers you, um, and that's okay. But Jesus is in line to be baptized by John, and John's baptism was strictly for repentance, for forgiveness. And this is why John is thrown that Jesus is in the line to be baptized. Jesus comes out into the water. I'm just assuming this is what happens. Uh, He comes out into the water, and John is like, what? And then we get the line, well, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me? Like, why are you doing that? So what is Jesus doing? Well, again, he's announcing the beginning of his work. But in the strangest of ways, he's submitting to a baptism of repentance and forgiveness. Depending on your view of Jesus, he doesn't need to do those things. And yet, there he is. This public act of repentance is a risky venture in the ancient world. At this time, it's an honor and shame kind of society. And so to stand up and to say, I'm a problem in the world, I've done these things, or I feel bad about these things, is to bring shame upon you and to remove honor from you. You see what I'm saying? Now, I know that we're sort of developing this same kind of thing In our current culture, honor and shame is making a comeback, my friends. To be honored and to be shame is like, this is what we pay attention to, you know? I mean, I feel like our prayer is like, I just don't want to go viral. I just don't. I don't want to be on the news. I don't want to be, I just want to get through this life and just, you know, get out the other end and be like, I never made it in the news. Because there is a real sense in which our culture is calling for people to be shamed and also at the same time to present ourselves as honorable and whatever that may be and so to go through the public act of repentance but also baptism which is you can't hide that it means what it means and everybody knows what john is doing when he baptizes people and everybody knows what people are thinking when they get in line to be baptized by John which is, I need, I need this. I'm not flawless. You risk a reputation. And Jesus has chosen, for some reason, to announce his work, the beginning of his work here in this river among the broken and the repentant. You see where I'm going, Right? I mean, I just preach one sermon here every Sunday. (laughs) And it's that you and I can find comfort in that. We can find peace in that. Uh, I took this picture at Barnes & Noble. You probably walk by a counter like this. Um, Anybody buy a planner for the year? Anybody? You don't want to admit it. I get it. I get it. And I sent this picture to some friends because prior to me snapping this photo, I had sent um, a select few in the church an article. And the reason it's a select few is because in the article, the F word is in the title. <laughs> and my friends, that is not the only place where that word appears in the article. It's a fantastic article. If you would like it, I will send it to you, but do not judge me. Um, Although I've used many of those words before. But the article is written by this uh, person named uh, Lisa Alden. And it's on some website called Points in Case. And it's so funny because the article is written from the perspective of the planner that you're buying. (laughs) It's a very long article. I picked what I feel like is the best couple of paragraphs. Would you like to hear it? This is the planner talking to you and to me. It says, I'm meant for those who already have their stuff together. I've edited that word. (laughs) I'm meant for those who already have their stuff together, okay? I am meant for people with perfect handwriting who will take pictures of my pages and post them on the internet for the world to envy. Are you really going to set monthly goals? The planner asks. And what would those be exactly? Stop stuffing gum wrappers into your pockets? clean out your car before it starts to smell. I don't even want to know. I don't want my fate to be disappearing behind a shelf only to be discovered when you're evicted from your apartment. (laughs) Look, I get it, the planner says. When you see me, you see a new you. But just write stuff on the back of your hand like you've been doing since high school. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Stop looking at me. Don't ask for me for Christmas. Please, Amen? Yeah. Now, if you bought a planner and you got a planner, great. That's great. When I was in college in the 90s, you guys remember the 90s? Uh, Oasis. Uh, I've been on an Oasis kick lately. I'm like, man, this feels right. This feels right. Um, but anyway, in the '90s, uh, and some of you uh, extras will know this. But like, uh, do you remember the Franklin Quest yes. day planners? Anybody? Yes. So amazing! And um, this, so, th- for those of you who are um, don't know, uh, if you had a planner, that's all you had. Your phone book was in there. Your notes were in there. Your calendar was in there. Your daily to-do. There were no third-party apps. You didn't have to integrate with Google. Or th- there, that didn't exist. So you just had this thing. And all of us in school got really addicted to these things. And we would go buy them every year and, uh, and just have these, like, this is embarrassing, these, like, Franklin Quest parties where we would, like, I mean, you know how people got really into, like, photographing and putting it in uh, scrapbooking? Scrapbooking, yeah. We did the same thing but with, like, productivity, Okay. And we would get together and just go through this stuff and like, um, and we just lived in those things. But as you know, um, I don't know, for me, not for everybody, some people are great at it, but for me, like, I don't know, April, I can't find it. I don't know where it is. Um, I'm digging around. I'm back at the Franklin store trying to buy something for half a year. Um, that, that wasn't in my notes. I was just sharing that story with you. Um, But I think the thing that attracts us to stuff like that is this sense of having it together. And we do live in a world where having it together is a pretty obvious value. Um, And I would say, before you hear what you think I'm gonna say, I would say that that's not all bad. Um, Hacking our way forward to be better at friendship, at being parents, students, for those of you in the room, uh, being better leaders, all these things, that's great. I think that's important. All of this is good. And we could all step it up in some parts of our lives, could we not? I mean, I could give you a list but, um, of, of mine, not yours, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, sure you're, I'm sure you're doing great. But uh, we could all step it up, and that's great. But here's the thing, and you know this, and I know this from experience, you know it from experience, life is not that linear, And it's not this ever-improving thing, is it? Um, The Beatles are wrong when they say it's getting better all the time. They're wrong. We cycle through successes and failures. Some of us are measurably worse off than we were a year ago. That's just the facts. Things have happened, things that we didn't predict, difficulties, difficulties. Parenting failures, all the things. And in some ways, we can, if we're charting our life, it's like this conversation I had with uh, a person a couple days ago, just via texts. I was just checking in on the person. And um, their answer to me was, well, it's like one step forward and three steps back. You ever said that? And in a society, as well as in religion, there is this noticeable attempt to keep imperfection at bay, to keep impurities away. And this rise of the perfected self, so to speak, it, it, do, it definitely casts a shadow over all of us. Amen. And again, you know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to say. Um, this photo is one of my favorite scenes from all 10 years of Friends because for me, it is it is the gospel uh, in film. And if you're not familiar with this scene, it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> one of the great lines in 10 years of the Friends episodes actually comes from Phoebe. And there's this time where Rachel is living with Joey, as you can see on the screen, and Phoebe is living with Monica. And if you don't know about Monica, Monica's really anal. She's really particular about her apartment. And she has all of these like rules of purity in her space. And one of the great lines of 10 years is Phoebe is trying to convince Rachel to switch apartments. You live with Monica. And Rachel's like, no. And Phoebe says, but Monica does let you eat cookies over the sink. See? <laughs> Do you know these people? Maybe you're these people. I don't know. But in this scene, um, just before what you see on the screen happens, they're eating spaghetti, and uh, Rachel drops spaghetti on the floor, and she apologizes. And Joey says, hey, you're at Joey's. Don't worry about it. You're at Joey's. Don't worry about it. When our church was uptown, we had a baptistry kind of over here, and I remember one Sunday we had two services uptown, and some of y'all might remember this, but uh, this gentleman walked in, who we knew, he came in and out of church, his name was Horace, and it was between services, and he was walking very intently toward me, and I was like, oh man, and he comes up to me, and he gets right in my face, and he points to the baptistry, and he says, Derek, I need to get in that water. And I was like, so you're talking about being baptized? Like, I was like such a nerd. I was like, so baptism, is that what you're talking about? Or you just want to get in there? <laughs> I need to get in that water. And I, I understood. And I told him, I said, now listen, it is not heated. Because we didn't know you were coming. So we will do our best to heat it up during the service. But all bets are off. Anybody remember this? Oh, it was so amazing. And so at the end of the service, I announced that Horace was gonna be baptized and I walked over there and he, he got in and it was so cold that he screamed. <laughs> and I, you know, just these like thin slices in my head of like experience, I was like, this is gonna be a problem. And so he won't get in. He's like halfway in, not in. I finally convinced him to sit down because you could sit in it. And he sat down, and he's like, I was like, are you okay? And he was like, yeah. And uh, I could tell he was not okay. So I do the whole thing, and I start to baptize him, and he won't go. <laughs> and we stopped, and we kind of like, okay, well, you, you got to go. I mean, like, just so, <laughs> so we tried it again, and he wouldn't go. And then... Because I was immature and stupid and haven't developed much since. But I did say to the church, if you remember, I said, let's all cheer Horace on. (laughs) And so we all cheered and he went under the water and he came up like so cold, but so happy. And uh, it was wild. You guys remember that? Gosh, I wish I had film of that. (laughs) Film is video, by the way. Um. But knowing him through the years, his phrase, if I need to get in that water, his was a story of coming to grips with his own inability to be perfect. You see, I think religion does a disservice when it quietly projects that message. Hey, to be here, to be there, to be with us, there's a lot of shedding that has to happen. Before you can do that. Imperfection is frowned upon. I would say that's not exclusive to the church anymore. I think our world is that way too, and it's stressful. You can't be the best parent ever. You can't be the best employee ever. You can't be the best business owner. You can't. You just can't. You can have moments, but it's just too hard And what I think is so beautiful about baptism is that it may be the one act that announces someone's recognition of their own helplessness. And they do that underneath the shadows of perfection. This is why I'm captivated by Jesus and captivated by Christianity. It has this series of built-in off-ramps on the road to the impossible standard of this fully together life. It's got off-ramps for that. This almost contrarian, purposeful laziness within the engine room of a culture and a religion that believes and promotes a flawless self. Baptism is for people who know that they are losing. They know that they are losers. And Jesus is standing right there with them. Isn't that beautiful? That the beginning of Christ's work is in line with these people who are broken. It's this awakening. It's truly an epiphany that we aren't capable of all the world wants from us. You're not. I'm not. And the awakening is in this naming of that impossible standard, this perfected self. And in faith, In Christianity, the awakening looks something like this. (sighs) I give up. It's not worth it. And Jesus stands in line with those people. You know what I'm saying, right? The beginning of his ministry is here among the broken. And the analogy I like is that the church Is not a bullhorn. I mean it is. It has been. It's not exclusive to the church. There's a lot of bullhorns out there. Do what we want, get in line, perfect everything about you. Stand up to our expectations of your life. And the church has adopted that too, but it's not a bullhorn. It's not a it's not a loud authoritarian. Telling people to get back, get in line, and be better. It's more of a foghorn. This sound of safety and sanctuary when you can't see. Amen? That's what it should be. It's like Jesus is saying, you're at Joey's. It's okay. That's what I'm here for. And so, I leave you with this. As Dolly and Whitney and God have all said, I will always love you. Amen.